Welcome to The Complete Angler, your source of information on the outdoor industry in central Canada. With over 35 years in the field, host Don Lamont covers topics and issues with industry leaders and influencers to bring you up to speed on what's happening in the outdoor world. And now, here's your host, Don Lamont. Our guest today has been fly fishing for more than 50 years. He has written for numerous magazines, conducted seminars from Trail BC to Thunder Bay, and in the U.S. from Seattle to Chicago. He has also appeared on Fly Fish TV. Stu Thompson has taken virtually every game fish in Manitoba on the fly, as well as some species that didn't make the list. His signature pattern is the DDH leech, which has taken 96 different species of fish to date, in both fresh and salt water. He is currently working on a fly pattern book called Tide and True, 101 Fly Patterns Proven to Catch Fish. It should be out in August. Stu, well, thanks for coming on the Complete Angler Podcast. It's been a while, my friend. Yes, it has. I'm happy to be here. I, I was kind of reminiscing, Stu, about when the first time we met. I know I, I ran into you at a couple tackle stores and you were working part-time or full-time, who knows, back in those days, a long time ago. And uh, you said to me, Don, uh, do you want to learn how to fly fish? Do you remember that? Oh, big time. And do you know when that was? 1981. Wow. I was uh, 26, I believe. Okay. And that's the year you also borrowed my, it was the first float tube in Manitoba and you went out and did a show on fly fishing brown trout with a chap up at uh, Duck Mountains. Oh, that's right. Yes. I, yeah, that's right. We went into the, the lake there by East Blue. I'm trying to think of the name of it. Perch. Thank you. Yes, of oh. course. Yeah. And I, that show was, yeah, that was really unique. And, and the brown trout did not start biting until midnight. Yeah. Well, you know what? That lake has always been just one of my favorite lakes to fish because it's so hard to fish at the proper times. So the trout that you get out of there is, you know, they could be 26 to 29 inches, but you never know when you're going to catch them. Yeah. And it was really unique that night because all the brown trout were in the shade of the tall spruce trees because it was a full moon. And so there was a little bit of shadow over one section of the lake. And that's where all the brown trout were. It was really neat. Yeah, I remember watching that on TV. Like, I was so proud of you. I, you wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was great. Let's talk about uh, when you took me out fly fishing. It was the Garson Sport Fishing Pond at the time. Yeah, that was... Uh, uh, now, Peter owned it, and Marty was the uh, biologist out there, and they had some great ponds. It was a great time out there showing you how to fly fish. Yeah, I remember. I think you put me through the paces for about six or seven or eight hours. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, if I remember correctly, you did manage to catch a couple. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, that was uh, much appreciated, and it really uh, got me started on my love for fly fishing because people, you know, I do have... I did have segments of the show on fly fishing, but um, I was always inclined to get experts on because I'm, I'm kind of a part-time fly fisher, not like yourself. 
So I want to ask you the question, Stu, how did you first get involved in, how did you find this passion for fly fishing? Uh, way back when I was 10, this would have been at the beginning of June, uh, we were visiting my aunt who lived on the Winnipeg River in Lac de Bonnie. So we're out there and I asked my dad if I could take my fishing rod. He said, sure. So I go out to the dock and it's about seven o'clock at night and the mayflies start hatching or back then I called them fish flies. And I could see the fish coming up to them and they're feeding on them. I spent two and a half hours trying to hook an adult mayfly on a small hook and casting it out with a small weight. Never worked. Don't ever try it because of course adult mayflies don't have any skeletal parts in their body and the hook will always pull out. So I went back to my dad. I said, hey, listen, what do I need? He says, you need a dry fly. What's that? Well, they use it in fly fishing. What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? I must have said that about 4,000 times. And he finally got really ticked off to me. He said, be quiet and read about it. So I did. And that's how I started fly fishing. And it, you know, reading about it gave me a new education as well, because you learn about entomology, you learn about how to read water, how to read a lake, how to read a river, where the fish are holding, why they're holding there. And all of a sudden it comes into focus and you go out and now you're not catching just one or two fish, but you're catching 30 or 40 fish in the morning or afternoon. Yes. Um, so when, did you ever make it a full-time profession? No, it's always been part-time. Like I love fly fishing. I love time flies. I've been doing it since I was 10. So that's 55 years now. Right. But, uh, you know, I have not gone into it full-time. It's just, I like doing what I'm doing, you know, it, it, it's quite a bit of fun doing it the way I'm doing it and trying not to make a living out of it. And that's the thing. So what was your full-time job? Uh, I had a few jobs, uh, particularly in sales. I was doing that for the last 18 years. I was driving a transit bus for the city of Winnipeg. Okay. And yeah, and that was kind of cool. Uh, I got to meet a lot of interesting people, seen a lot of interesting and somewhat disgusting stuff on the bus, but that's part of the job. But part-time, you've worked in a lot of tackle stores and you've educated a lot of people over the years. Yes, uh, I actually started teaching and instructing fly fishing when I was 15. And my first show I did, I believe my dad asked me to tie flies at a Laverandre game and fish meeting when I was 13. So that would have been about 1968. Wow. Yeah. And one, so of, the reasons, been... one of the reasons we we're having you on the podcast today, uh, Stu, is because you are coming out with a book. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Well, the book I'm doing is a fly pattern book called Tied and True. There's 106 patterns in the book, although the cover says 101. I put five bonus flies in there. Now, these flies, I can tell you there's 74 flies of personal flies that I tied and that I designed that have worked for me throughout the years. And this is when I first started fly fishing up until present day. So the other patterns... Uh, I believe there's like 30 
two patterns, I believe, that are tied by friends of mine that have worked extremely well. So what this book does, it gives you patterns, not only to pursue, pursue trout, but channel cats, carp, freshwater drum, pike, muskie, walleye, sauger, gold eye, moon eye, whitefish, tulby, anything you wanna go after. I've sent some of my flies to 15 different countries. And in each country, can you imagine catching Bear Monday on a fly in Australia? <laughs> yeah, buddy of mine did that. Wow. I had another friend in Malaysia doing red tail cats and uh, river carp and giant cats all on the fly. And it was really amazing to see these different species caught on one of my patterns, which was really cool. So. <clears throat> so if people want to, sorry, Stu, if people want to buy one of your flies or more, how do they, how, how do they get, uh, how do they get them? Well, with the flies, I have my own website. It's called Dark Water Dubbing. And if you type that into Google, it'll take you to the website, or you can go to www.darkwaterdubbing.wordpress.com. And it'll take you right to the website and you can go on to the flies and you can order the flies. I have a little blurb in there on Tide and True, my book, and how much time is left before publication. Right now, I'm just waiting for the final proof to come and it should be here within the next couple of days. And then I have to go over that and then I send it back to the publisher and it gets published. Yeah, I kind of know the process. Uh, it took me a while to get the uh, final proof done, so... It's well worth the wait though. Oh yeah, you know, and the great thing about the flies in this book, they are not that difficult to tie. When you look at some of them, especially some of my coronamid patterns, which are actually small midges, they look like mosquitoes, but all it is is a thread body and peacock curl for the head. That's a whole fly. How hard is that to tie? Like it's extremely, and you, it's so easy, it's scary. But the thing is, I've taken some 30 to 35 inch carp on that fly. And it's just amazing what you can catch on a small fly like that. I was reading your biography and I didn't realize you've, you've done so many seminars all over the country uh, since you've been involved in fly fishing. Talk about that a little bit if you can. Well, I've been lucky enough uh, throughout Canada to go from Trail BC out to Thunder Bay. So I've done seminars in Trail, uh, in Calgary, in Edmonton, in Saskatoon, in Regina, of course in Winnipeg here, and out to Thunder Bay. Uh, down in the States, I've done it from uh, Seattle right through until you hit Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, uh, Chicago, North Dakota, so, uh, you know, like just, I guess it would have been about two years ago, just before this COVID thing hit, I was doing uh, the Great Waters Fly Expo down in Minnesota, which was really, really nice. And that was attended by quite a few people. Well, I think, it's, I think it's a testament to how well you're known <laughs> in the fly fishing industry, maybe not so well known in the regular sport fishing industry in Western Canada, but certainly people that uh, know about fly fishing certainly know your name. Um, speaking of which, uh, if people want to get into fly fishing, 
a lot of people don't realize that uh, there's a there's a great organization in Manitoba. Yes, Manitoba Fly Fishers, and the club has been around since 1968, and I started going when I was 15. So that would have been 1970 I started going. And we've been active. Oh, it's just a, amazing. From 1968 up until present day, we're still active. It's a great group of guys. Of course, uh, through, the, through the years, the core figures have changed quite a bit. But still, it's a great group of guys. And we usually meet on Tuesday nights during the winter. And right now we meet at Riverview Community Club. And if you want to try out, come out to a couple of meetings, see what they're like, just feel free to come out. You know, there's there's no charge. You can come out. If you want to join the club, you join the club. But the thing is with the people in the club, there's so many great tires and great fishermen that if you don't come away with an education, I will be really amazed. Because the guys there are just, they know their stuff and they catch really big fish all the time. So, yeah, I usually come out and speak at the club once every two or three years. I, I certainly don't tie about all my expertise. I, I tend to tell about all the stories that I've had over, over the years pursuing uh, different species on a fly rod and other, mm -hmm. uh, uh, other ways to catch them. But uh, yeah, it's a great club. And I, I just, uh, it's actually overwhelming all the talent that you guys have in that, uh, in that particular club well it's just amazing like right now the president of the club mike corrigan in my opinion out of all the fly fishermen i know i would rate him in the top five wow and, and like this guy is just one heck of a fly fisherman like he he's done permit bonefish tarp and he goes to new zealand every year and he does big rambles and browns he fishes here in the province uh he has a cottage out in ontario and last year in two trips he caught like 41 musky in two yeah, a trips. friend of mine glenn mcdonald who i've had on the podcast twice uh, had mike in his boat and was totally amazed how professional he is and i think they got one tiger or two tigers and a couple other muskies on that trip yeah and like i said mike is is perfect gentleman like and he will help you out like you wouldn't believe and he's believe it or not with all he knows He's very eager to learn from everybody else, which is really amazing. Well, I mean, you never stop learning. That's a, the most uh, important thing people need to understand. You, you never know it all. You keep an open mind, you ask questions, and you're amazed what you can learn when you go along the way, for sure. Well, exactly. Yeah. You know, that's right, because uh, there's a prime example. When I was working part-time at the fishing hole, I had this guy come in, his fishing walleye tournament just so happened it was the height of the mayfly season so i gave him two mayfly nymphs i told him to find a five to eight foot mud or sand bottom flat quarter ounce bottom bouncer three foot fluorocarbon lead and tie these flies on he said you can win the tournament so he went out he come back in to see me he goes and he was very excited because he goes Stu, i tried your technique for the last 45 minutes of the tournament and it took me from 27th place up to third place because I got a five and a quarter, a six and a half, and a seven and a quarter pound walleye in the last 45 minutes. 
Wow. I won $2,700. He was so excited. <laughs> I, said, I said, no, you didn't. You lost $7,300 because you didn't do it for the whole tournament. <laughs> and he just stopped. Daddy says, you're right. I should have. Oh, so, that's a great story. And and that's just learning what the fish feed on, right? So the walleye fishermen out there, if they listen to this, that's one big tip I'll tell you right now, because a walleye will, and you know it as well as I do, walleye will feed on mayflies like crazy. So why not use it? Imitation of a mayfly to catch a walleye. I was reading a segment of your 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 book when it, you sent me an <laughs> advanced um, PDF of it. And I think it was Jeff Courier did the forward, right? Forward? Yes. Well, yeah. Jeff was talking about when he came out to film a catfish show with you on the Red River and the conditions are muddy, high water. And you said, well, Jeff, I still think we're going to be able to catch them. I, I think people don't realize the wide variety of different species of fish that you can catch on a fly rod. Yeah, you know what? They really, everybody thinks it's about trout, but it's not. I've been lucky enough catch virtually every species of game fish in the province on a fly. Jeff has taken, I believe, 394 different species of fish on the fly. Which wow. Is just, yeah, that's astounding. That's incredible. He, oh, you should see some of the pictures that he has. Like, it blows my mind. Anyway, when I had him out here for Channel Cats, he was just awed by how strong they were, how many he caught, like we just had a fantastic time on the river, even though the water was extremely high and it was like just poured rain and <laughs> the water was right up to the top of the banks. Like, I mean, it just about overflowed the banks at Lockport. Wow. But yeah, we still had a great time. Like we caught a whole pile of big fish and it was just amazing. But like I said, you know, like if you want to fly fish pike, you can do that. If you want to do musky, walleye, sauger, goldite, like any fish eat food just like we do and i relate everything back to human behavior so as humans we have to eat to keep our motors running so do fish what do the fish eat just stop and think about it they eat minnows and leeches that is true crawlers are not a natural food item so i would cross crawlers off that list although the fish will still eat them so you look in the water, what's in the water that fish will eat? I've seen pike chase freshwater shrimp in six inches of water just so they could have a meal. Now, a freshwater shrimp, a, a gamaris is a big one, and you're looking at about eighth of an inch to maybe three sixteenths of an inch long, and these pike are chasing them through the water. The reason they're chasing them is that there's thousands of them. And when they swim through them, they have a full stomach and they only have to do it once to get a full stomach, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not that hard. It's just common sense. What do the fish feed on? Freshwater shrimp, water boatmen, back swimmers, mayfly nymphs, damselfly nymphs, dragonfly nymphs, stonefly nymphs, caddisflies. It's all food. And every fish is gonna feed on those food items. It's a natural food item in the water. And that's what people don't realize. And once they do, and they adapt their techniques to conventional fishing, then all of a sudden they're catching more fish. And just like, holy smokes, Stu was right. If I do this, 
and convert it to conventional fishing and I can use a bottom bouncer and a mayfly, I can catch all these walleye. Not too hard, is it? No. But, you know, one thing the pandemic did was um, it, it really blew up the sport of fishing. More and more people wanted to participate, be outdoors. And fly fishing, it became extremely popular again. Do you agree? Oh, definitely. Like, <laughs> you know, I work part-time at Cabela's and I just cannot keep those outfits in stock. Like a, I got a pile of people, new people that have come out and bought new equipment. And the great thing is on Tuesday nights during the summer, it's the unofficial meeting night of the Manitoba fly fishers. And if you head down to Lockport, you'll usually see some guys fly fishing down there. In fact, I'm going down there tonight. And uh, anybody that's new, I invite them down. And yeah, the guys, if I'm not there, the guys will give them lessons and they learn how to cast and learn how to fly fish for channel cats and carp and drum and everything else. And chances are they'll catch your first fish that night on the first trip out. Yeah, and once you uh, you catch your, your first fish on a fly rod, I think you'll be back for more. Oh, you know, that it's, it's hard to describe the feeling. And I've had guys that have had like thousands of dollars of conventional equipment and they get that first fish on the fly rod that equipment is still sitting in the garage and they haven't touched it. It's all fly fishing now. And there's a pile of people that have done that. It's just so much fun. Like <clears throat> if you had a cat on the fly, everybody rainbows jump like crazy. Bass by far are the best fighters that I've ever had on a fly rod. But I'll tell you something, you get a big channel cat on a fly rod, a nine or 10 weight fly rod, which is really heavy duty. And man, that cat's going to be pulling and oh, into your backing, no problem whatsoever. Just about every cat is into your backing. And that's excitement. When I was uh, sponsored by Walleye World Custom Rods, I got Zane Aranowicz, who at the time was making the rods, uh, custom make a 10 weight for me because I was going up to the territories to fly fish for lake trout. Now, I got an invite from Ken Bailey, who I've had on this podcast, who just uh, published a book as well, Stu. And I think you know Ken, don't you? Certainly, he knows you. Yeah, yeah. In fact, Ken was the first one to uh, publish one of my articles when he was editor for Outdoor Edge magazine. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I wrote for Ken as well. Yeah, his book was entitled No Place Like Home. So anyway, uh, Ken had been up there the previous year, and they decided to try their luck casting big streamers on a fly rod for these lake trout and they ended up having you know tremendous success so i went up there with brian chan who you know of course he's a famous uh, fly fisher and um, lives in kamloops and we went up there and we ended up catching all these beautiful lake trout in fact i i managed to land one on my 10 weight that was 32 pounds so that, oh, nice. that was that was a heck of a battle so you know, fly fishing is much more than um, it's it's much more than trout. My favorite, I have to admit, my favorite fly fishing experience is for pike, using streamers in clear water when you can see the fish and and casting to them and getting the bite and uh, you know they pull so hard in that shallow water. It's just a spectacular, uh, a spectacular time. So I have like three boxes of pike flies that. 
you know, I still need to try out two thirds of them, but, uh, but, uh, you know, fly fishing is such a great sport. Oh, you know, it's so much fun. And talking about pike, like by far, my number one favorite fish to pursue on a fly is pike. Springtime and fall time, that's when I concentrate on big pike. Mm -hmm. This time of year, I don't care how big the pike is. It could be 20 inches. It could be 15 inches. It could be 30 inches. I don't care. Poppers and pike during the summer in the shallows, just like I was out a couple of weeks ago and fishing this lake. And I bet you I got 60, 70 pike in, in the morning, all on poppers. And they were jumping out of the water. They'd come like a Polaris missile up out of the water with a popper in their mouth. I'm going, man, that is so cool. And I forget to set the hook. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been there, just, done that. Yeah, you're just so engrossed. And then you see this bull wave come behind your popper and you go, oh, man, he's there. Oh, man, he's there. He's there. Pop. Oh, hit, hit. You see the bull wave come back again. And all of a sudden he hits when the popper is just sitting there doing nothing. Right. So, it is a panic. I love pike on poppers. I love pike on streamers and shallow water. By far my favorite, my favorite fish to fish for. Well, here's a funny story for you. Speaking of top water, I was out on the Lake of the Woods and it was um, fairly early in the year. I think it was uh, early June and, and I was, wanted to do a smallmouth bass show. And I, I couldn't find a smallmouth bass to save my soul. I had no idea where they went. So uh, you know, it's pretty expensive when you don't catch a fish, you know, when you're trying to film a TV show. So I went in uh, this, this bay and I said, well, I got to go try, you know, these shallow, cause I know there's going to be weed growth in there. So anyway, I started casting on a popper and lo and behold, never mind the smallmouth, I ended up catching one largemouth, largemouth bass after another on Lake of the Woods. So I ended up getting a show and, and one that I had not planned on doing. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you never know what you're going to catch and when you're going to catch it, right? And you, like you just hit the right bay with the right top water, boom, all of a sudden you're into fish. Doesn't matter if it's smallmouth, but you still got a show out of that. Right. And, right. you know, just like an example, Al Carlson used to have a show called One Last Cast. Well, that's right. And I remember that show. Yeah. Yeah. And he got me out there to the Lake of the Woods. He wanted to do a fly fishing musky show. So this is how the Weedman slider came about, which is another fly in my book. He raised the muskie, followed, disappeared. I put a cast out, it hit my fly. Of course, I forgot my wire for my leader. So I'm just using 25 pound test. Got through the 25 pound test, boom, away he goes. About an hour later, I had another muskie do the same thing. I'm just going, oh man, I need some wire. So anyway, we go back to Al's place. I tie up the Swedeman slider and I used it the next day. I saw a light shadow underneath the fly behind the boat. I'm stripping the fly in and I look up in the sky and I thought it was sunshine, but it's not. Well, overcast, cloudy, not a ray of sunshine anywhere. So I'm stripping the fly in as fast as I can and this light patch is still under the fly. Then I see a fin move. So I 
say in a whisper, ow, I got one following, right? So the cameraman gets the camera going. And when Al said, Stu, that fish is going to go over 50 inches, I lost it. I did everything wrong. I'm watching. He says, you got to do this. You got to. I said, oh, man, Al, look how big that is. I can't believe how big. Look at. I was just going crazy. The funny thing was, I was standing on the gunnel of his boat. And the muskie started sinking. And I look over the edge and I go, hey, Al, it's sinking. <laughs> and, just, and I cracked him up and he says whenever he wants a good laugh he puts that on he says I've never seen anybody so excited and doing so many wrong things my whole life it was just hilarious right <laughs> I'll never forget that so yeah it, it's really amazing what happens when you go out fly fishing the stories that you come back with and and the experiences and what happens and if you're out with a buddy you know what your buddy does or what you do and how excited you get. Like, it's just a riot. Well, Stu, you're famous for some certain patterns. And I know all my friends that always laugh. Oh, you talked to Stu. What was it? The DD Leech? DDH Leech? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talk about uh, that fly. Oh, man. I'll tell you, that fly has just been fantastic. It's a DDH Leech. And DDH stands for Diamond Dub Holographic. And that was the material that Superfly used to sell under the Diamond Dub name. It's a holographic flash material. So when I developed this fly, I was thinking, I want a leech pattern that's going to work really, really well for fish. So I sat downstairs and I looked at the store-bought dubbing. I had beaching eyes for a little bit of weight. I didn't want that much. Marabou for a tail, that's my favorite tying material is marabou. It moves so well in the water. And then I wanted to do a dub body, but all the dubbing I had was too short. So I looked at some zonker strips, which is a rabbit hide that's cut in, into strips with the hair still on it. I thought that's gonna be long enough. So I cut off all my black zonker strips and I blended it all together with this blue holographic flash that I had. And I tie it up, doesn't flies with it. So what I do with, with my experimental patterns, I do a dozen. I pick six people and I give them two flies each. And they know that if they don't get back to me, they'll never get another fly off me. So I have <laughs> these, these people, a group of people that always will try my new flies out. One guy went out, went up the footprint, 67 rainbows in one weekend, all over 20 inches. Wow. I thought he was yanking my chain. Had another guy come back because he went out bass fishing with one of the other guys that I gave flies to. They caught over 300 smallmouth in one day. Wow. And I'm going like, crap, are you like, I'm just saying, you guys are yanking my chain. You're just trying to make me feel. Every guy came back with the same type of story with the numbers of fish that I found just unbelievable. So to satisfy my own curiosity, I tied up at another four. I went out to Bird River and there's a spot that I fish in the Bird River that very few people know about. And I always catch big pike and walleye there. I got 40 some walleye and 60 some pike in one day of fishing on that fly. And that's the only fly I used. So I thought, if this fly works this well for these species of fish, 
what does it do for Pacific salmon? So I sent some flies out, and of course, in pinks and blues and purples and all that, out to the West Coast. Every species of Pacific salmon was caught on that fly. And I'm going, holy smokes. Sent some up, out to the East Coast, Atlantic salmon. And all of a sudden, all these people are ordering these flies off me. And like I said, I've sent that particular fly to 15 different countries, Australia, New Zealand, Belgium, France, Germany, Siberia, Malaysia, and just like, yeah, just tons of places. Everywhere it's fished, it's taking fish in both fresh and salt water. The coolest fish, believe it or not, I was fishing with a young guy on red last summer. He says, yeah, man, I bought some DDH leeches off you and you tied them on saltwater hooks for me. I said, yeah, I remember that. He says, do you know what I caught? I said, I have no idea. What did you catch? Stingrays. Wow. Huh? Yeah. He showed me the pictures. I got the pictures on my computer. Really crappy foam pictures. But, you know, like it shows him hauling up the stingray that's about four feet in diameter. And I'm going, holy crap. So, yeah, that fly has worked extremely well. Uh, the best pike is 44 inches. The best muskie is 44 inches. The best walleye is sitting at 28 and a half. The best channel cat is at 40. The best carp is at 36. You know, massive fish. And they can, uh, when they buy your, uh, when they buy your book, they can, they can see that pattern along with uh, 105 other ones, right? Oh yeah. Well, there's, see, I have a DDH leech, which is, uh, a solid body color. So the body color is the same color as the marabou tail. I have a DDH head, which the tail and half the body is the same color, and then a contrasting color for the head. So those are what I call DDH heads. And then I have DDH minnows, which is a, a tricolor. So I have white tail, couple clumps dubbing of white dubbing, a couple clumps of red and four clumps of black. So that turns into a minnow type of presentation. So I do that in a pale yellow, a white and a tan. And those flies have just, anywhere there's bait fish, those flies have worked. Okay, well, that's, uh, the book is gonna be coming out hopefully sometime in August. Uh, tell us again where you can find it. Oh, it's gonna be on the Freezing Press, uh, bookstore website it's going to be available through uh it's going onto the list for 40,000 different stores across north america you can do the ebook and it's going to be on kobo uh, apple itunes there's a couple of other bookstores that i can't remember and then i'm going to have it available on my website as well once I get that up and running after I see the final proof, I'll be able to get that up on the website and hopefully uh, people can pre-order if they want. And of course, if any, any book that's ordered on the website, I'll autograph and, and sign it for them. No problem whatsoever. Well, Stu, I really uh, appreciate you coming on the show and uh, it was good to renew some old stories 
and uh, and uh, you know get together again. It's been a way too long. Yeah, I should take you down to the red, and we'll go do some channel cats on the fly. Yeah, you know what? I uh, have not done that. Believe it or not. Oh man, come down to. <laughs> okay, Stu. Well, good luck with your book, and thanks so much for coming on the Complete Angler Podcast. Okay, thanks a lot, Don. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. Visit hookedmagazine.com to subscribe to the Complete Angler and never miss an episode.